Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, with new episodes airing every Tuesday. I'm Chris Cheney, and I'm the Senior Clinical Care Editor for Health Leaders. In today's episode, we will be discussing issues related to the post-pandemic healthcare sector with Janet Tomkovich, Executive Vice President and Chief Nurse Executive at Geisinger Health. Janet, thanks so much for being here. Chris, thank you. It's great to join you today. Let's get into our questions. Now that the crisis phase of the coronavirus pandemic has passed, what are the primary clinical challenges that you are facing? Well, that's a great question. If I had to highlight a few clinical challenges, I'd likely bucket them into probably two key areas. The first one being labor shortages, which I wouldn't, nobody would be surprised for both clinical and non-licensed staff. And I think that's an important distinction. And I, I think this is evident in both the inpatient setting, hospital setting, but it's also a big challenge for the outpatient or ambulatory arenas and even home settings as we, you know, seek to uh, really use more home health or push care to the home, uh, we're seeing, you know, labor shortages abound everywhere. Uh, You know, we're challenged with finding RNs, LPNs, uh, behavioral health clinicians, even technicians such as ED technicians or phlebotomy, ultrasound. You know, the labor shortages are are just unending. And then if you even think about it on the non-licensed side, you know, it's nursing assistants, it's medical assistants in the clinic, it's our EVS workers, our food services workers, the labor shortage is really just um, pretty pervasive in healthcare, much like it is in other arenas, you know, but uh, we're particularly challenged because of of both the clinical and and the non-clinical. So I think the work that needs to be done, I kind of think uh, about it as rethinking routine, you know, the teams that we have used in the past, like yesterday or the day before, are not the teams that we're gonna have to rely on tomorrow. And so really uh, having to think differently about the types of workers that we use. So I think labor shortages is one. And then the the second key area that we are really talking about almost every day is what I call the experience shortage or the experience gap. And what I mean by that is we have a huge experience gap especially on the hospital side, for nursing. So, for example, the tenure of nurses, of RNs, at the bedside is really disappearing quickly. In fact, the literature that I just saw recently kind of highlights that the average tenure of an inpatient nurse is now less than five years. Uh, and it's a, little, it's a little scary to think that we've got an increased acuity level of patients in our hospital and we have less experienced nurses um, taking care of those patients. And so, you know, we, we hire new graduates. That's what most hospitals do. They count on those graduates as they come out of, of their school of nursing. Um, but we have less and less experienced nurses training those new graduates that are, are coming into the uh, hospital. So couple that with the acuity rising, and we have significant concerns. So I think if I had to really highlight the two things that 
I, I pose and talk about every day, it's labor shortage and it's, it's uh, experience. In addition to adjusting your care teams, what are you doing to address workforce shortages? So that's a great question. Um, we're doing a couple of things and I'll start with high schools and colleges. So on the high school side, we really are trying to um, get to schools sooner and sooner, you know, so that we can start really kind of reinvigorating the interest in, in healthcare. Um, so talking with middle schoolers uh, about their choices or thoughts for what they wanna do when they're done with high school. And then very purposely going to junior and senior uh, high schoolers and really offering things like co-ops where they can come and work, you know, four hours a day uh, during their senior year and come in and shadow, whether it be a nurse or an ultrasound tech or uh, whatever type of role they really have interest, or maybe they come in and they rotate so that they can really get a good sense of what's available, um, you know, in healthcare to work. So a lot of effort at Geisinger really on, on co-ops. And then on the college side, really trying to help colleges think creatively about their nursing curriculums to offer uh, better clinical experiences for those nursing students, uh, helping with clinical adjunct faculty, because one of the other big challenges that I didn't highlight but schools of nursing are facing increasing challenges with finding enough faculty to support the growing burden of, of you know, nursing programs. And so if we can offer part-time staff who still work at the bedside, but they perform as a clinical adjunct faculty, um, take clinical rotations for the school of nursing, we really feel that that's beneficial to the school and it's also beneficial to our organization because it creates relationships with those graduate nurses that hopefully will, will come work. So I think those are a couple of things that we're doing on the labor side. The other big um, strategy and, and um, is really the team-based nursing. And so thinking creatively about how technology can fill in some of the gap with, with what we expect nurses and other licensed workers to do but also thinking about the non-licensed role and how we create um, broader opportunities so that if I um, do come into an entry-level position, how can I stay and grow and develop professionally without maybe necessarily having to go to college because maybe I can't afford to go to college or I don't think I can be successful at college. And so can we build, and we are building career pathways that allow entry-level positions to come in and build on their skill and we'll help them learn those skills you know, at, at the hospital. Great. Now that we are in a new phase of the pandemic, what are your primary COVID-19 challenges? Well, that's a, an interesting question. Um, I, I think first and foremost, we still have COVID, right? And it's not over. On any given day, we can have 100 patients in our hospitals. We have nine hospitals. Um, that, that still are admitted with primarily COVID. Um, so it's still present in our community. And while the hospitalization rates are significantly decreased, they're not gone. Uh, our mortality is, as everyone knows, significantly better, but it's, it's not gone. And so I think that there's still, the community needs to know that there still is COVID. I think the transmission rate is also 
really concerning to me because we still have staff who then get COVID as you know, we get all these um, you know new you know kind of versions of the uh, of the, the virus, and so it puts our staff at risk. They get infected. They have to be off work. It adds further to the burden of our staffing challenges. And then I think the last thing you know, as we go into the winter, I'm extremely worried about what will happen this winter with COVID. It's really what I call the unknown of COVID, uh, will we surge again? Uh, every time I round, that's what staff ask, ask me, are we gonna see another surge? Uh, when we do our town halls with our employees, that's one of the first questions they ask, do we expect another surge this winter? And so I think that unknown uh, is, is another challenge that our teams worry about. And they're already tired, they're already worn out, uh, and we don't have enough staff. So I, I think those are the, the challenges. The community knowing it's still here, what's going to happen uh, with COVID, this, you know, and that there still is a fairly high transmission rate that may not land you in the hospital, but it does end up, you know, um, affecting the workforce. In the next year, in what areas would you like to launch nursing initiatives? Well, we're very excited about some really um, good opportunities. And despite all the work that COVID and the workforce, you know, challenges that we have, um, I think most healthcare teams have been working hard to kind of reinvent uh, themselves. And, and again, I, I use the term kind of rethinking routine. So top of our list is really, I think I highlighted earlier, um, this, this concept of team-based nursing. Uh, I've been in nursing a long time, and when I graduated, team-based nursing was actually how we practiced nursing. Now we're, we've been in a much more primary nursing model where you have a nurse who, and one RN who takes on you know, four or five patients, and it's kind of his or her patient load. But now we're, we're going back, and we learned this during the, during the pandemic, that there were a lot of other folks who could help the nursing team and we needed that help. And so thinking differently about the team, we, are, we have a concerted effort to rehire uh, LPNs back into the mix because there's a lot of things that together LPNs and RNs can do as a team to effectively really manage a group of, of patients. And then we're also looking a, a lot at that non-licensed work nurses end up doing a lot of things that does not require an RN to do, an RN license to do. And we want to make sure that in today's world where we have, you know, less RNs, we need to really um, preserve what we have RNs working on and what their focus is for their day. And so anything that does not require an RN or even an LPN, a licensed worker to do, we want to be able to make sure that we've got the right skill set and resource to take care of that non, what we call non-licensed work. And so we've got uh, underway some redesign of our career pathways for the non-licensed worker, uh, which means we'll take entry-level workers from high school or technical school even sometimes, but non-licensed employees who, who didn't go to college for whatever reason and really um, offer them a beginning entry-level position on the nursing team. Maybe it's as a what we call a patient companion, where they sit 
with patients who are um, who are, have behavioral health uh, or safety concerns. And then we can teach them how to become a nursing assistant. So all the skills that you need as a certified you know, nursing assistant. And then maybe a, a technician role where we add things like EKG monitoring or phlebotomy um, to that role. And so that FTE now can grow from being a patient companion to now a nursing assistant to a patient care assistant slash technician kind of role. So it really offers a career pathway for um, those individuals who did not go to college. Maybe it will interest them in thinking, boy, oh boy, maybe I can go into nursing. And that would be a great uh, additional pathway. But we think this non-licensed work uh, is really important and we wanna help support and train the workforce to do that. So team-based nursing, really important to us and I think many other organizations. The second area that uh, we're really focused on is the virtual nursing model. So I talked a little bit about not having experienced nurses. They're leaving to, to go either retire because they can't work anymore. Maybe they don't want to work in a hospital environment. Maybe physically they can't do the heavy lifting. Uh, they can't be on their feet all day long. Um, or they just want a different environment. And so we know there's a lot of experience out in the market. We've just got to be creative about how we leverage those experienced nurses. And so we're looking at creating a virtual model where we can connect or, or experienced nurses can connect in virtually into an inpatient unit for a lot of, uh, of things. They could help our care team uh, admit a patient from the ER in a sooner way so we can get patients out of the ER faster and up into their room so they're not sitting down in that ER waiting. And that virtual nurse can really go through that uh, really comprehensive assessment that nurses typically do. Uh, and they can help assure the patient what the course looks like through their stay. Uh, they can work with the inpatient nurse to uh, organize or start a, a plan of care so the family knows what to expect. But likewise, we can also discharge patients virtually. You know, we can have uh, nurses spend a little more time, you know, uh, educating about their discharge medications, their follow-up plans, but really do that final discharge assessment. And that will help us get patients home in a timely manner, open up that bed for that next patient who might be down in the emergency department waiting for the bed. Because there's still a lot of, of capacity needs. Patients have foregone you know, care over the last two and a half, three years with COVID. And we're seeing a real need for continued chronic care of patients. And so um, for us, occupancy rates are extremely high and we need to try and help you know open up bed capacity and we believe that the virtual nursing model is is one way to do that and in fact we're really looking forward to leveraging some of these experienced nurses to help mentor our new graduates i talked about the tenure of nurses in our hospitals being three to five years um, if we can leverage our experienced nurses to be available to those new graduates to say, here's what I do in this situation, or why don't you think about looking at this? Or they can watch the labs and, and call up that graduate nurse and say, you know, maybe you need to, um, you know, uh, check on this. 
So really taking some of the data that's available in the electronic health record, also the known data from the patient, um, and really help our less experienced nurses, you know, grow in their knowledge and skill set and, and confidence level, um, you know, as we go through. So we're excited about virtual nursing, team-based nursing. Those are the things that we've got our teams really focused on right now. Excellent. Janet, it's been wonderful talking with you. Thank you. And uh, thanks so much for the opportunity to join and ha have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast.